Hi, it's Jay Mueller from Bad Producer Productions. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's one of seven we currently produce. They include The Garrett, Team Effort, Childproof by Tony Martin and Geraldine Quinn, Game Changers with Craig Bruce, In the Pocket NFL, The Greatest Season That Was 93, and our newest podcast, The Final Word Cricket Podcast with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. I don't know which of those you're about to listen to, but whichever one it is, I hope you enjoy it and I'm grateful for your time and enthusiasm. Thank you. All of our podcasts are supported by the generous team at A.V. Jennings. For more than 85 years, A.V. Jennings has created communities for people just like you. A.V. Jennings communities are designed for the way people want to live today. To find out more, visit avjennings.com.au. A.V. Jennings, your community developer. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our sponsor, A.V. Jennings. Hi, this is Craig Bruce. Welcome to Game Changers. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Radio Monitor, the world's best music monitoring solution for broadcasters at radiomonitor.com. So over the last 15 years, I've had lots of conversations with young aspiring programmers about the sort of skills and attributes needed to be a successful content director. The Game Changers mentoring tapes are conversations with myself and Kate Mead, who works at Ace Radio. She co-hosts the John and Kate Breakfast Show that is networked to eight radio stations in Victoria, New South Wales, and she's an aspiring program director. This week, Kate and I discuss the basics of music strategy, managing airtime for maximum impact, air-checking announcers and shows, leadership, and on this episode, we talk about dealing with conflict. What do you understand about conflict and confrontation from your own life experiences? You've run businesses, you've run events, you've done lots of things away from radio. What, you know, what's the essence of it for you in terms of how you're going to deal with people that might not necessarily get along with everyone or fit in, in a team environment? I think a, a very old-fashioned maybe approach, it, and for me, it's always an understanding that there are three. there's going to be three sides of the story. So there's going mm. to be her side and his side, and then there's going to be the truth. And just yep. allowing that time to have a really great understanding of what the actual problem is, but it, and and know that if someone has reacted outside of character or un, uh, reacting outside of how they normally would, there's a pretty good reason, and it might be something that is completely unrelated to what's going on. But it was that was the straw for whatever reason. For yep. me, it, um, any time that something's come up with a team, it's oh gee, Craig. You, you don't normally respond like that if we ask you to do that extra job or whatever. Is it, you know, is there something else going on? Or I always think you're kind of failing if it's things blow up. You you want to have caught it. You want to have wanted to try and see something coming. You know, it's a shame if you yeah. if you do miss yeah, it. I, and I think that's probably the key. You know, seeing it before yeah, it happens. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think that blow ups happen when little moments aren't addressed. Um, on a regular basis, you know, I think that one of the keys to it is, you know, you're better to have a thousand conversations about small issues before they become one big come to Jesus conversation yeah. where you know, the it's show's about to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, it's too late. I think at the heart of it, no one likes confrontation. I, I haven't met a single person that actually enjoys having difficult conversations or giving you know, potentially negative feedback to someone or having to discuss in an honest, open way about, you know, a particular behaviour that might be happening that's affecting the rest of the team. No one likes doing it. I can't think of a single person and everyone knows the feeling. It, you know, you get the butterflies in your stomach and you it's that feeling of 
depending on how bad the situation is, it can be a feeling of dread. It's like, oh, God, you know, how's it? And you sort of play it out in your own head in terms of what the reaction might be from the person on the other side of the desk. But no one likes that. And I think a lot of the discussions, you know, for young announcers think or young uh, radio people thinking about programming as a, a career always look at that element and go, no, I don't know whether I can ever be that person that has that either the skill or the courage to have a conversation with whether it's an on-air talent or a, or another manager or whatever it might be. But it's like anything, you know, you build up to it over time. You, in, from my own perspective, I was terrible at it. I'm not creative at heart. I don't like hurting people's feelings. I don't. I'm a people pleaser. I think mm-hmm. and. You know, I did everything I possibly could for the first couple of years as a programmer to avoid any difficult conversation, and it nearly killed me. I mean, I had to, yeah. it was a, like a literally line in the sand moment where I, I realized that if I didn't get this thing um, sorted and work out some, some tools that were going to work for me, then, then I couldn't do the job. And you can't get good at it by avoiding it. You've got to actually step in, um, have the conversation when it needs to be had do the best you can, prepare for it in the best way that you possibly can, and then through that process you're going to learn um, how to do it better next time around. You'll, you'll have um, language that you can use, you'll have phrases and, and opening sentences that you know can kind of lead you in, you'll get better at listening, you'll be able to manage your own emotions through you know difficult conversations as they come up. It's like anything, it's practice, and I think a lot of programmers avoid it. I think there's a huge... A number of programmers that just avoid difficult conversations. You know, when I think about dealing with difficult talent, I always start with, well, let's think about it from our perspective as a content director. You know, think about, you know, what what makes a content director difficult to deal with. And examples might be, you know, he wants me to do things that I don't want to do, or she's a ball breaker, or he doesn't care about the show, or she doesn't know what she's talking about. Uh, he's not a leader. I don't trust her. I don't believe what she's saying. All of those sorts of, you know, that kind of feedback about content directors were difficult to deal with. So, you know, when it comes to dealing with difficult talent and presenters on the air, I always think the starting point, the focus should be on what you're doing, not on what they're doing. So if you flip those previous statements, you know, a difficult content director is difficult because he wants me to do things I don't want to do. The opposite of that would be he explains to me the bigger picture of what the station is trying to achieve and then he gives me a chance to buy in on that. Um, She's a ball breaker. The flip side of that is she has really high expectations, but we know if we put the work in, we're going to be recognised and rewarded with results. He doesn't care about the show, which I hear often from presenters. I mean, the flip side of that is he listens every morning. He's totally invested in our development, both personally and as a show. She doesn't know what she's talking about. The flip side of that is she recognises that she doesn't have all the answers, but is transparent on, at, at those moments. You know, don't ever try and bullshit talent. No. <laughs> try and make shit up. It doesn't work. It never works. You're essentially um, talking about trust. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's not a leader. Well, he's someone that we look to for direction and comfort and clarity that the show is moving in the right direction. So, mm. you know, all of those things, and to your point, lead to trust if the show doesn't believe in what the content director is saying, if you get all of those other elements right in terms of explaining the bigger picture and setting high expectations but um, being recognised when we reach those expectations, caring about the show by listening and investing in it, being transparent, um, all of those things will lead to trust. You can't just ask for it. You have to kind of work your way up to that point. And so if you have that as a baseline, then 
I'm just not going to fix everything. And some, I mean, Kate, one of the things to know, and it can be really confronting, um, and it certainly happened to me, and I would, I would imagine it's going to happen to most program directors through their career. Um, some people are just toxic. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Some people, some people just shouldn't be in a radio studio with other people. They don't have the the skills. They don't care enough about the investment in the other person, which is at the heart of a successful breakfast show. Um, is you know whether there is an investment in each other, um, and you would know that now working with John, your investment in John and his investment is you, in you as a person will help you the two of you become a great show. Yeah. And some people just don't have that in them. You know, so one of the problems for program directors is that when you see that kind of toxic behaviour and, and when you work closely with those sorts of toxic people, you know, you're in a situation where, well, how do I fix this? I mean, what, what do I do? And none of us have the, unless we've gone to university and have a degree in psychology, none of us have the the skills to be able to change someone in their 30s or 40s or late 20s with these uh, traits and habits and and worldview that that they have that's confronting that's really that you know the starting point there is what the fuck yeah, am yeah. I supposed to do here and that's and sometimes there is no answer sometimes the answer is you know what this show can't be successful with this combination as it currently sits because the component parts just aren't going to fit together. So um, you don't make that decision after a week or two weeks or whatever. Like, you know, any relationship, you, you, you do everything you can to fix it and make it work. But there are points where you have to go, you know what, this thing isn't going to work together in its current form. So sometimes you have to make a change. That can be really hard. You know, we've talked about lots of things over the last couple of weeks and there's lots of things that you need to do when you're a program director and managing a toxic environment or dealing with someone who is a narcissist or is is selfish by nature and you can't be selfish if you're a breakfast host and and lots of creative people have their own kind of nuances and you know uh, um, some stand up not all but you know comedians come from a stand up background where it's all about them on stage just them and a mic and when you put them into a team environment where they have to share the airtime with other people that can be difficult so you know on top of all of your other work that you do with your job you you end up getting consumed by this person and and or this this team that can't get along and what do you do and there are no easy answers the only thing i know is avoiding the situation is is not the answer no it's going to get um, a lot worse yeah so you know i think that the kind of just a, i guess a few tips a few things to think about and and this is this kind of feeds into leadership in lots of ways uh, i mean one of the most important things you can do is is talk to them about expectations when you, you know so if you're starting at a radio station you know having that conversation with your breakfast team and drive show if you have one about what do you expect from them and what do they expect from you so one of the first Actually, the first conversation I had with Kyle and Jackie when I went to two-day in, I don't know, 2004 or whatever year it was, um, they, they were going through some challenging times doing drive at that point and um, that had some different content directors who they hadn't necessarily got along with. And my first discussion with both of them was, and certainly with Kyle, was I'm going to air check you. I'm here to hopefully make the show better and to help you improve as a performer. And so just so you know, we're going to listen to audio together and that's, that's my job and you need to know that that's going to happen. So right up front, they, they were clear on that. And then I obviously had to de- deliver on that, which I did, and I enjoyed that process. And, you know, we didn't, you know, hey, once they got up and running and, and we had some, you know, clear sort of guidelines around what they were doing, the, the air checking became less and less important. But 
in the early stages, that feedback process was was critical. You know, and then you can have expectations for the talent around um, communication within the show. So one of the first things I, I do with new shows is that, you know, you can talk negatively to me about anyone on the team as long as they're in the room. Yep. So that's rule number one. So if you want to have a negative conversation or if you want to talk uh, negatively about anyone that's on the show, let's do that, but they have to be in the room. Yeah, yeah. So um, triangular conversations or, or, you know, however you want to word it, um, they, 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 they don't happen. And, no. And as soon as the door is open and someone walks in and says, can I just have five minutes on my co-host? Excellent. Let me grab your co-host and let's, we'll talk about that together. Yeah. And so what that does, it, it kind of forces, if you're going to walk into my office and have a bitch session, it's going to have to be a really good one because the other person on the show is going to be in on it. Yeah. So any niggles, you either fix yourself or you, or you, you learn to live with them. And immediately, Craig, did that, that just become, that's the bar, that's the standard. So did, did you find that that flowed on then within your team straight away? So other people then learnt, oh, well, I don't go to Craig to bitch like that. So that's, that's, that's not going to happen there now. And actually, you know what? I'm not going to let people start coming to me and start talking like that because I don't know, oh, number one, I don't have time. And number two, it's not fair. And, did you see a flow on from that? Well, yeah, that, but that's exactly it. And by the way, I didn't need to do that with Kyle and Jack because no, they, they were as tight yeah. as they yeah. were. Yeah, and, and like, you know, through Pete, they are—they're incredibly tight, and they've got a very respectful relationship. And certainly back in those days, they were just um, peas in a pod. So they knew exactly what they wanted from each other, and very honest and open. So I didn't need to do any of that with them. But no, you're absolutely right. If you don't engage in gossip, and if you don't engage in rumor, and as I said, the you know the the rule is um, you can say whatever you want about anyone um, as long as they're in the room when you do it it kind of stops the bitching and the moaning and the the negativity and it and it creates a separation and that separation is really really important that you know probably the i reckon the number one mistake and i've made it a hundred times i know it's a i can say this from years of experience of doing it and we've worked together long enough now you know my personality um i get to way too close to the talent it's and it's the biggest mistake that content directors make is they become friends with the people they're working with and it's almost impossible to help a show if you're building a relationship based on whether they like you it, yeah. it has, you know, like mm-hmm. has nothing to do with you helping the show. It has to be about respect and trust. Uh, and the only way you can be, you know, the only useful feedback that you can give the show is objective feedback. And you can't be objective if you like them, if you're connected with them personally. And so that idea of not sharing in any station gossip and not getting involved in any of the, the internal politics um, that, that aren't important, there's plenty of politics that you do need to get involved in but any of the nitpicking um, if you create that separation then you're you're also creating a separation from the rest of the team in a positive way which is I'm the leader and I'm here to set an example and I'm not here to kind of get involved in in the bullshit yeah Uh, um, so it's human nature you just want to you want to have the team that you're working with like you, I guess, and there are versions of that that can happen, but I, don't, I can't think of a single presenter that's had a really successful, fruitful relationship with their program director, which is based on like. It's always based on respect. Yeah, of course. Um, it's based on, you know, I don't necessarily, we would never hang out on weekends, but I know that he's here to help me and I know that he's got 
my back and I know that she cares for the show and therefore we, we listen to each other. As soon as you start doing, let's have dinners, let's catch up, let's have drinks, and then drinks become talking about stuff, you're just suddenly down a rabbit hole. And that you can't you, get you can't out. Possibly, yeah, yeah, and it's such, a, it's such an obvious, you know, once again, you think about the job, it's a big job, lots of things coming at you. One of the easy ways to kind of sort of fold into that is to at least have frictionless relationships with people at work and all it does is cause you trouble down the track. We're kind of talking about two things here. The, the first is about the, the talent relationship and yeah, how to avoid the conflict or help out with the conflict, stay away from the politics side mm. of it. And then the other thing we're talking about it really is you were being very clear on what your ground rules were. And um, so uh, straight away, so I want to jump between the two because... So I'm imagining little old me coming in as a content director and I've got, yep. and we talk about um, Kyle because that was the example there, but we've got someone with a wealth of experience that's going to, I'm just, now I'm going to be air checking you and this is what we're going to do type thing. And he, Really? Is this what we're going to do? So there had to be an yeah, understanding no, though. There had to be, you had to be, I'm here. This is what my job description says that I am going yeah. to do and you have to come with me because then we will work. And yeah, look at how you phrase it and how you yeah. say it. And, and I, I had come from a really dysfunctional breakfast show in Adelaide previously, which I'd completely messed up as as um, as the content director. There was a couple of different relationships there that I didn't nip in the bud that, that caused us all sorts of problems. So, And, and I, that was a kind of point for me where I thought I did that, that just cannot happen on my watch again I just can't so it was so part of the discussion with Kyle and Jack was really just about me saying oh, if I'm going to do this properly I have to I can't do it the way I've done it previously so they were sort of the almost a guinea pig in, in lots of ways that I, you know, if I'm, I'm going to reset it it has to be done this way um, you, you know when, when you're a new content director it doesn't matter how old you are and what your experience is and where you come from when you're a new content director going into a radio station you have a window of opportunity when you get there um, and and that window is open for a short period of time and that window is there for you to set your first impressions with everyone that you're dealing with mm-hmm. and the first impressions need to be the lasting ones. So you need to you need to start the way you want to finish um, and if you set really clear expectations around who you are and, and how, how you want to manage people and how you want the team to interact together and, you know, part of that is sharing some of those discussions with the team in terms of let's let's sort of work some of this framework out together. If you don't do that in the first three months, then it's very hard to reset. It's you know you can't do the Julia Gillard. It's the new Julia halfway through a, a, no, a political campaign. I've already you've decided. Got to be the, yeah, you've got to be the person right from the start, and and you have to you have to see it as a window of opportunity, which is it's ajar. No one has any opinion or perspective or thoughts on you when you're starting so you've got to create them right up front Um, and some programmers go in and and so if you think about um, you mentioned Adrian on the podcast from the podcast so you know him going into Brisbane he's just gone well well no one really knows me up here so I'm just going to do what I think is right and they're they're going to they'll they'll follow him behind I think lots of young programmers you know you don't feel as confident or as certain as you, you may eventually when you've been doing the job for a long period of time and that lack of confidence and uncertainty can play out in a way where you might think okay well let me just observe and you know get a look at the lay of the land and get a sense of everything in the first four to six weeks and then I'll roll out my plan and and look you can do that but my view is that you get in there from day one all eyes are on you 
Um, yeah. Whether you think they are or not, all eyes are on every single thing you do. You know, you, you're, it's a performance. You know, you walk in the door and you're a version of yourself. And so you, you've got to be that right from the start. And then once you've set those really clear parameters, everything flows from there. So it's harder for someone who might have, might be a little lazy or might be a little selfish inside a team or may have been allowed to get away with some things with the previous content director. You know, when you set those clear parameters from the start, you know, a lot of it is, is you don't necessarily fix it, all of the issues straight up. But anyone wanting to, you know, fuck around with your plan, they're going to have to deal with whatever those consequences might be. Yeah. Think about that first. It's like, it's like a 90-day plan or 30-day plan, whatever you want, however you want to look at it. You know, it's the window of opportunity. Here's my chance to stamp my authority on the station, not in a dictatorial sense, just I'm here, I'm here to do a job. And people will always respond to strength and clarity of message and a, and a strong um, sense of who you are and what you're about, more so than you flip-flopping between, you know, liking people and trying to be friends. None of that is, is helpful in the long term. Yeah, and I am having a little laugh because I think, so if I look on my journey now in radio, the first year for me was just fly a little bit under the radar, a little, you know, just come in and just learn, you know, just keep eyes <clears> open all the time. But And I used to always think... What are the things that I hope that they're saying behind my back? Well, yes, she's kind, but she's working hard. I want them to see that I'm working hard and taking the opportunity. So that was, for me, really important. Do you know what I mean? And now we're in our second year and we've got younger guys and I'd say to John oh, I'm not really in a position they're asking for advice John like I don't know like and they said yeah. he said no no Kate you are just listen and see where you can help out but the way that I've handled things now you talk about coming in you know when they've got problems I'm happy for them to listen and I get happy to hit to the point and then I say that's you know like thank you for sharing and I'm hope that that's been great but here's the thing I'm on the breakfast radio show I'm not your PD and I'm not your general manager. And the best thing that I can do to help you today is to tell that you need to go and say, hey, Joe or whoever it was, when you said that to me today, that wasn't okay. Or, um, no, that's not going to work for me. Or um, could we try and do it another way? Because I can't, I'm not in one of those positions. I can't do anything about it. So that's the best thing I can do in this spot now. Do you know what I mean? And I I think, oh, one day I'm not going to be able to palm that off. How scary. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You know, radio is very hierarchical, as you know, and and the title means something. And you can only be so impactful as an assistant content director or as an executive producer of a breakfast show, unless you're the boss. And when you're the content director, you're the boss. um, or, Or sort of, you know, from a content sense, all roads lead to that person. And so you can help and be a, a support and a, and, a, and a sounding board along the way, but, but unless you've got the title, you can't fix anything. So you can practice good listening and, and be, and, and, you know, if someone wants advice from you, then, you, you know, you need to own that, which is you need to own that in a really confident, um, positive way, which obviously you're having an impact with people uh, uh, in the company and they, they're turning to you. So, you know, you want to you do as much as you can with that um, and see that as a positive You're listening to The Game Changers Mentoring Tapes with myself and Kate Mead, another bad producer production. And if you're enjoying these conversations, I think you're going to like The Game Changers book, which is going to be available later in the year as we unpack more of the lessons and insights from the world's best broadcasters. Tomorrow on The Mentoring Tapes, we'll discuss the importance of leadership. I'm Craig Bruce. Thanks for listening.
Game Changers Radio is a production of Craig Bruce Coaching and Bad Producer Productions. You can find all of Craig's chats with broadcasting's best at RadioGameChangers.com. There, you can sign up to receive the weekly Game Changers newsletter, which features articles from Craig and Bad Producer Productions, as well as more great lessons from the Game Changers. Support Game Changers Radio by leaving a review at Apple Podcasts. Visit our Facebook page and stay in touch with Craig on Twitter at CB underscore Bruce. And if you have colleagues or mates who you think would enjoy listening to Game Changers, please share this podcast with them.